0: Hi, welcome to Bible Studies with the Twins. I'm Lori. And I'm Michelle. And we are your hosts for this podcast. Excited to have you here. We are twin sisters just sharing our love of reading the Bible for the very first time to encourage you to do the same. We're not Bible experts. We're just two girls who fell into false teachings, law of attraction manifesting, didn't know God's word. So we are sharing our journey to encourage you to join along with us to know the truth. We hope our Bible studies bless you along your walk with Christ. Join along with us, grab your Bibles, and let's get started. To we get into our Matthew Bible study, we wanted to let you know this was the first book of the Bible that we started reading after coming out of false teachings, New Age things. So please remember, Lori and I are new to reading and studying God's Word. We have learned a lot over the years, not just with about God's Word and the Bible, but in the book of Matthew as well, we came across other people later after we recorded all of our Matthew Bible studies that taught us new insights. So we might squeeze in other little talks of just sharing those little things along the journey of these Matthew Bible studies. Please, though, make sure you check out our Matthew resource page where we're going to link up all the resources. And if you hear something, please give Laura and I grace and mercy along our journey. We're still learning and growing. and. Jesus is still working in us and changing us. So we hope you enjoy these Matthew Bible studies. Girls, welcome to another Bible study. We're continuing on with the book of Matthew. And today we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. So grab all that you need and come join us. That we are not perfect yeah. and that we, going to we mess that. up a lot. Yeah. So we just want to say thank you again for joining us and being along with us. And remember, Michelle and I do not know everything that's why we're reading the bible but we will never know everything we'll always be and even from the people that we share the commentaries like again we're just different because even when today's passage different ones uh, focus on different different things things, and i think that was cool and i think it's just how to show how god is using different people different way to hit different people in different ways somebody's somebody's message about this will hit you in this season of your life, and when you read again, you're yeah. like, oh, wait, I remember someone else saying this about it, and it helped you in that season of your life. So I think that's also to keep, keep in track, but also remember, Lauren, I don't put any of the people we listen to, really do enjoy them, we have to keep reminding ourselves that like, they're human too. So they're gonna, they're gonna say that up, stuff that's, we're gonna that's flawed, that and we're gonna say stuff that's flawed. The only person and that doesn't mess up is Jesus. Jesus. and he, does, he has some amazing things, things in, in this here. chapter. So it had a lot of different stuff, I felt like when we first read it ourselves, before we dove into yeah. the studying it more, I was kind of, like some parts I, I think I was understanding what Jesus was saying, and other parts I wasn't quite so sure because I don't know the Old Testament that well yet. I know I have a lot still to learn, which I'm really excited to dive deeper into. But let's start it off with verse 1. At about this, the time Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry, so they began to break off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And I'm gonna stop there before we dive into how Jesus again responds to this because the Calvary church here locally went a little bit of a background. So remember the Bible, wasn't written in these chapters and verses it was just written mm-hmm. it, the chapters and verses were added later on to help us all now to be like we're turning to chapter 12 verse one so remember though the previous what jesus just ended with he ended with um, my yoke is easy my burdens are light come to me for rest so that's where he ended it and then it goes into this he's also, walking yeah. through some grain fields but the other background that i want to get to is um, that the the pastor here was reminding and us and Chuck Smith too? I have notes on him. He went over the background of why the Sabbath, right? And, and that's what I guess the background we're getting at is the background of the Sabbath and why mm-hmm. it is why Matthew talked about it here and in, and in in here and why is it in the Bible? Why why are we having this discussion <laughs> about the Sabbath? So that one background is remembering that having one day of rest was a blessing. And remember who originally it was for the Israelites remember the the people of God that he was sought after all the Old Testament to, to save and so what were they before Moses saved them they were slaves into to Egypt to Pharaoh for years and years and years and as slaves they never got a day off every day they were working 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 so here they are coming out and God's blessing them hey take a day off, you, you know, work for six, take a day off. So in their eyes, it was a blessing to have one day off from not doing their typical work. Over time, Pharisees and the Sadducees and other religious people came up with what was considered work and what they considered not work. And they may, or started making up their own rules and started creating these burdens and all the people of Israel. And that's too what you know. Jesus was talking about, the burdens. He talked a lot about the burdens that the religious people were putting on, and this continues on to it. This was a burden that, and so when the Pharisees are saying, look, your disciples are breaking the law, what he made note of that I learned is that the Pharisees, that's the Jesus' disciples are breaking their law, not the biblical law. So I made note of what's the difference um, because I feel like that's also important that there's a biblical law which is the Bible and it's what God says But then there's this something called an oral tradition or an oral law and that is what it's been interpreted So that is what they're seeing here, but they're not seeing that they're not seeing um, this own thing so he mentioned that you can see this as hypocrisy that they're not seeing their own stuff. They're just focusing on what other people doing, but they're still not doing, they're not seeing what they're doing too is not right. That they think they're the ones that are able to say, this is the way it is and this is not. And so so I just want to add a little bit to that too, from the Chuck Smith that we learned is that the Pharisees started to have their own interpretation of the law. And we've seen this already kind of happen on other things. and that they do not would, so jesus knows this and yeah well. jesus <laughs> is aware of this and and jesus sees that they're missing what god intended because we, we learned that even when we talk about judging like therefore i tell like they all thought a certain way interpreted a certain way and then jesus came again to clarify and to fulfill it right so jesus was remembering he was came and what to teaching us all what's going on in our hearts not so much just the outward action which is again what the pharisees are here kind of just focusing on the outward action of that they're eating something here right so they are focusing more on that so since mm-hmm. they the pharisees and stuff and misinterpreted the law they have this sense of spiritual pride and self-righteousness about them that they saw themselves like up here and everyone else is down here as sinners mm-hmm. yeah, and some of the pastors kind of gave a few examples so mm-hmm. i think we can yeah. all just imagine they just were putting all these other burdens, burdens. on all these people yeah. when it wasn't really what god was saying to do and here jesus is like, hey i'm opposing your interpretations of this law but many people then including jews and stuff were still so stuck into their rituals that this started to create a divide, a division, and what Jesus came to really show what the way and what they felt. And again, you can see that still kind of division today of certain, you know, certain religions, even Christ- and within Christianity, make you kind of have all these rituals and stuff. And again, they're, what Jesus is saying, your guts are missing the point. God's yeah. after your heart, and you're yeah. focusing just on, are you doing all these things? Christ is our rest he's the way to be saved and that's really all we because to remember that christ is where we find rest and how we to be saved right. not on our rituals and stuff and another way to look at again what the pharisees are, are doing here is again they are they are taking something that god gave as a blessing and turning it around to be a burden over time and um i think again that's just been something that's unfortunately been passed down and not just about the sabbath day but other things in christianity of people Taking it something that God gave as a blessing and turning it around to be a burden. Mm-hmm. So I just wrote, um, over time, the Sabbath day lost its original meaning. It's lost the blessing that God intended it for. Now it's looked as this big burden. There's all these rules around what is what is allowed, what is not allowed. And I think to Jesus' response is also showing going back to God's character is that he cares more about preserving someone's life than the rituals. Again, the Pharisees weren't seeing it that way. That yes. I wrote down also in my notebook. There's this higher law of God that to preserve life. So if a man is hungry, eat. Yeah, you know, I, go, so. I, go, yeah I have a little bit more to add on mm-hmm. to How Jesus comes back starting at verse three, Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companion broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And you ha- and haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there's one here who is even greater than the temple, him. <laughs> but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices for the Son of Man is Lord and even over the Sabbath. So I'll kind of say when I, mm-hmm. uh, when I went back and studied this morning, then Michelle can share hers because there's a lot here. And you can see, um, this is obviously the next couple chapters, the stuff's already happening. You can see the opposition already happening between Jesus and the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of it here, and I love how Jesus just comes back at them, fuffling their feathers in a way. And so but I love like one those, thing about we see a lot here is that just a generalizing scene, that they're, they're trying to always trap Jesus. Yeah. But he, always trying to always and also so he's, he's aware, saying, he knows their thoughts. So yeah. he, He knows what to say, and I just... But here, like how he says here, you know, he said it twice, haven't you read, and then he Mm -hmm. said it again down in verse 5, and haven't you read, so you can see that as he's being sarcastic here with them, like, because he knows the Pharisees, and the Pharisees back then, they were the ones that knew the Bible in and out, like they've read, they've done it, they know the scripture, so he's kind of like sarcastic it back, like, well, didn't you read this? Like, Duh! Like you know, so like you know, so, it's kind of being a very off thing to the Pharisees. They're taking offense to this, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're saying that we haven't read the scriptures? Well, we have." Type of thing. Hopefully, you guys are understanding. Like, Jesus's response there. I just love that. I just I love how Jesus responds to them. So again, basically, Jesus is saying here in the scripture, "Did you guys not read this?" Which is offensive to them because I said like they were the ones that looked as they knew the scriptures, and then Jesus here going into verse four and he's talking about the story of David. By three and four, telling the story of David, he again knows that they know the scripture. So he's also telling them a story that they would remember, that they would be familiar with. David he ate the loaves of bread that were only for the priests. How come God didn't condemn him? So they could have seen what David did as breaking the law, as that bread was just for the priests. But God never condemned David for taking the bread. So continuing on if you remember looking at more of what Jesus was saying here so pretty much what we're seeing here is that we see here that human needs take precedence in Jesus's eyes in God's eyes which is what I was saying that the, the what the disciples were hungry powerful. back then David was hungry and his people were hungry so human need took over um, as the men were starving, but sadly the Pharisees held their religious rules, over human needs, because after all this here, the rest in chapter 12, like how the Pharisees still don't see mm-hmm. what they're doing. He says, "Haven't you read?" So here he goes again, is offending the Pharisees, being like, H- "Didn't you guys read this? Come on now!" Um, and he's pointing again back to the word of God. And at this point, I wrote, "All uh, the Pharisees are having a real hard time fighting back. Like they don't have much, so you don't see them really coming back to Jesus." But I think Mark, um, one of the passages in, in the book of Mark, which we're going to read next. He goes into more of this and he gets a little bit more detail sometimes of stuff that was happening so I'm excited to kind of go back and um, read the story again through Mark's eyes. So anyway, but the Pharisees here don't really have much to fight back to Jesus with because they really don't have anything to say because he, got, he's pointing back to the Word of God so they don't have much to say here. Mm-hmm. Then moving into verse 6, again, I tell you there's only one greater than me is the temple. And then he goes in the quote from the book of Hosea about the mercy not sacrifices so again jesus is mentioning scripture here he the the most say i want to show you mercy not aside this is the second time we've seen jesus say this i forget exactly what chapter oh, it's supposed to mark it but i forgot to come back but he did say it. it's when they're talking about he's listening with the tax collectors yes that was it the, uh, i think that was in verse um, 10 maybe it's when we, let me see if yeah I can find it real quickly here it is in chapter 9 mm-hmm. verses 12 through 13. Now when he heard this, he said it's okay, not those who go. are well need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So he said it to the Pharisees back then, and here he is again, saying it again. So obviously this is very important to God. <laughs> he doesn't, he's over the sacrifice. He just wants his people to start showing more mercy, which he does to all of us. So Jesus is like, you look, Pharisees. Mercy is more important here again although the pharisees still value their religious rules over mercy which again is very different than what god and jesus wanted here so i made a note for you guys to make note of too. god values mercy over religious rules so then the pharisees reserve reverse that and so they're no longer really being a great representation of the lord so jesus disciples should have seen mercy from the pharisees not criticism which is what he says here but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. So meaning that if you understood what that scripture meant about mercy, then you would have shown mercy to my disciples, not being like, look, look, they're breaking the law. They're in criticizing them. Mm So, and then when he also says, for the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath, there Jesus is boldly saying, Jesus is telling them he is the Lord. He is God, Lord of the Sabbath. He is our rest and because he is God, And who's God, what did God do? He created the Sabbath. So he is also the creator of the Sabbath is what he's saying here, I'm the Lord and I'm the one that created Sabbath. He is the only one who can then interpret what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. And I just find that to be so beautiful. And I just love how Jesus responded back to them with that, that, hey, I'm the creator. I'm the one that created the Sabbath. Therefore, I am the only one that gets to say, what you can do and cannot do not you and i just like boom like right back at you i just i just love jesus's boldness there he's the only one that could do that because he's because he's god so i just love that so just my quick notes on this just in verse 4 when he's referencing david jesus also is identifying himself as king like david Mm -hmm. with long line david so it's also why he brought that story because he's because david was king and he's using it to represent i'm king he's also jesus is portraying in all of this and all his little response back is that Jesus is the king going to David a prophet and a priest all through his words that he spoke here so and then in verse 8 Jesus is claiming that he wrote this because the Lord said he is God again many religions and still to this day miss the relationship part of God as they focus on rituals and observing others for doing wrong like they love to point out when someone else is doing wrong they got from Chuck Smith that that I liked that I want to just bring up here that he just was reminding himself that the way I was saying that like, God was sick of sacrifices because they kind of was what God what Jesus was noticing why I think also why he mentioned it twice is because in the Old Testament and stuff I think Jesus obviously you know, when he came back to be you know he's the new way he saw that people were like well let's just go and do this, even though we know we shouldn't, this evil thing. We can then just go off for a sacrifice and then be forgiven. Yeah, this and been, so God was like, I'm done with things. this. Back in Numbers from the Old Testament, I think mm-hmm. we see more of this happening. So anyways, I think that's also, and then remembering that Jesus is rest. Jesus is where we get rest. That's also what he's saying, that he is the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the rest, and they're making it all be about all these ways. Remember, we just got back with them talking about the yoke and the burdens, and so that's what we're saying mm-hmm. here. Like you're adding all these things. My mm-hmm. yoke yeah. is easy, my burden is light. So, so just be careful when you're whoever you're listening to, and I hope Lori and I never come across and you guys have something to So we just say read the Bible, get to know God, and believe in Jesus. He died for you. And we're taking <laughs> we're taking our time reading it, and I hopefully you're yeah. taking. Even though yeah. our videos are here along, I mean you have to watch them all in one day. You can you can dedicate an hour of your day. That would be awesome. But that's yeah. also awesome if you don't. If you only spend about five to ten minutes in the Word, you're 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 dedicating time to be yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. So, all right. So moving on to the next verses, starting at verse nine now. Mm-hmm. Moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. Quick right before uh-huh. we get in, I'm just trying to say, just be careful of other other preachers out there. So just make note of again when people are putting more burdens on you and stuff like that. Realize that's not of Jesus, mm-hmm. and they're creating more uh, rules for you. Even like us. The local pastor here um, was talking about how people even sometimes abuse the lord's prayer i guess there's churches out there that if you have sinned so much you just got to keep saying the lord's prayer over and over and over again until until you feel i guess that you've been forgiven or something he was saying like here they are making it a burden for people to say the Lord's Prayer. And that's yeah. not what the whole point of that prayer was, is to redeem the relationship with our God. So extend them the love and be merciful and show yeah. compassion for them, right? There's even this whole legalism side of Christianity out there. And this commentary just mentioned again, that any religious law that is contrary to giving mercy um, should be looked at with suspicion. Yeah. God wants mercy, not sacrifice. Again, remember Jesus has mentioned that twice here so far in scripture. And God wants love, not legalism, which is mercy is an act of love. So the Pharisees who sacrificed to obey their Sabbath laws thought they were serving God. When they accused Christ here and the disciples for doing what they were doing, they, they were actually defending God. Um, and that's how a lot of li- legalist, religious people are today. So just something to be careful of inside um, yeah. that notes. So back to verse 10. There he saw a man who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they asked him, isn't it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He replied to them, Who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it to lift it out? A person is worth far more than a sheep. So it is lawful, right? It's good to do good on the Sabbath, right? So kind of like what's in like? He throwing back things right at them. And then to finish this out, verse 13 and 14, Then he told the man, Stretch out your hands. So he stretched it out and it was restored, as good as the other. But then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might kill him. Because again, here they, this is Jesus pretty much saying, you guys are not doing things right and they're not taking it so well, right? So, so let's dive a little bit deeper into what's, what is all happening here. Because that's a pretty big, bold statement to come mm-hmm. back after Jesus just healed somebody and here for the Pharisees to go out and say, we want to go kill you. And so you're like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like We can see that they've been fighting but to actually go out and physically kill somebody. So like what, something must have sparked them to really want to go all of a sudden go and kill Jesus. Like, yeah, just, just instead made... of just fighting or putting him in prison, they actually want to go and kill him. So we have to dive, I feel like a little bit deeper because that was kind of when I first read that, I was like, whoa, all, the plotting of Jesus is already happening. Like, whoa, I knew they're, they bump heads a lot, but so anyway, you have to like, okay, why? Why, you know, why did they say that? So yeah, let's I run on verse on verse 12, I just made note, when he said, when a person is worth far more than a sheep, Jesus is pretty much saying their record straight. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about them eating, walking through the fields on the Sabbath. God preserves a person's life over more than rules and rituals. So I think we came to help people. I came to help people. Yeah, because remember too, the whole point of the, so far that we've been seeing in, in 12, in chapter 12, moving into this one, the the Pharisees are always finding ways to what accuse Jesus of something, find him guilty of something. So here again, when they say that ask that question and verse uh, ask that question in, in verse ten, they're again they're they're finding anything to to accuse him. So Pharisees have studied Jesus and all they know who Jesus was. They watched him grow up. They know who he is and what he knows, and um and they know Jesus has a hard time, which Michelle mentioned. When he sees somebody in need for him not to go and help them. And, the, and they know this. So that's also why they say this. Because they know that this who Jesus is. Because remember, they've, they've been watching Jesus. So they know that's part of him. So when Jesus has the opportunity to heal someone, he's going to take it. Which I just find beautiful. And the Pharisees know that he can heal but it never occurs to them that he is the Messiah. So, they, again, they see, they've seen all, we've studied all those previous chapters of where they've been watching Jesus do all these miraculous healings, but they still have a hard time seeing that he is the Messiah. So, again, in their minds, this man wasn't in a life or death, this man with a messed up hand. The Pharisees, when they saw this, they remember this is happening on the Sabbath. He wasn't in a life or death situation. Yes, his hand was all messed up, but it wasn't probably going to kill him—at least not in that moment. So, why, in their eyes, why not Jesus just wait to heal him on Monday? Why did it have to be that day? So that's just you know other things to kind of make note of where all this frustration and, and is happening and what Jesus gets to at here. Because um, again, remember, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So remember, they're trying to find anything to pinpoint to bring Jesus down. Um, so. That's something just to be made note of. Yeah, he could have healed the man on another day. It wasn't a life or threatening, so why did he heal them that day? So um, I guess he, the, this pastor mentions Matthew here. He leaves out a certain detail about how um, Jesus comes back to Atham. I guess in, I told you in the book of Mark, we, we hear about this story again, which I think will get a little bit more detail about the, the tension and stuff. So I guess he just says, but in the book of Mark, he gets a little bit more detail here where Jesus, I guess, jesus in in the book of mark he, jesus comes back with asking them a question so he the pharisees ask jesus a question he replies back with the question so um and it's about like again which is lawful to do good or evil is it to save a life or to kill the pharisees stay silent because they have nothing to say they wait they want to accuse jesus but they have they don't have any good answer yet to really um do that and i guess in matt in mark it makes it sound like i think he was saying like jesus kind of like pauses and kind of let them kind of like sit with that question for a little bit like let them really think about that and then going again to verse 11 where he answers if you had a sheep that fell into the Sabbath would you not pull it out and again back in those in their eyes in their minds back then sheep represented income meat for them and wool for them so um, this is the sign note of why Jesus brought in sheep there and they would have no problem Jesus is saying here since they they saw sheep in that way they would have no problem dealing with sheep if it was hurt or needed something done that day because of all those things. But yet, a man's life is more valuable than the sheep. And you're saying, don't bother. So I think, you know, Jesus is kind of like painting this picture in their high showing that they, they're hypocrites. You you love your sheep because they do all these things and you would take care of your sheep if something happened to them on the seventh. But yet, if, if a man, a human being was, you wouldn't do anything. So I think Jesus is trying to show them where they're flawed or where they're being hypocrites on their own their own rules and stuff okay. and i just love how jesus is pinpointing it back on them and again it make it and again the book of mark says jesus uh, looked around at them in anger and distress because i think he's seen their stubborn hearts i guess in the book like i told you in the, in the, the gospel of mark he goes more into that of what jesus is doing so and can you imagine him just like looking around at them with such anger and distress because he, he, he knows their hearts and he knows their thoughts like they're being so stubborn about all of this and Jesus is, is you can, I love that he's starting to get angry and so shows that Jesus is a human and he had human feelings so he knows what it's like to feel frustrated when you're trying to say something, something yeah. and nobody's getting it okay. and I think we've all probably been in those own moments in our own life there. So, um, um, so then going down to, keep going down, sorry, um, Jesus is not angry when He sees hurt or struggling people, like all those pe- people in the past that He healed that were struggling. He's not mad at them. He's not angry at those people, which set the Pharisees kind of were mad at them and making them like they're such bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, Jesus only, you can see throughout the scripture, you only see Jesus getting mad at who? The religious leaders. Because their problem is in their hearts. That they are also, about Michelle talked about this earlier, they're so big on criticizing everybody else and pickpointing everybody else's problems and flaws and sins and not themselves. And so that's where, and I, I find that beautiful and in kind of a sense of encouragement because. You know, we're all messed up and so, but Jesus isn't mad at us. He's mad at us when we are being too harsh and criticizing and condemning on other people and making other people that you're better than Yeah, I think it's else, more of that. So. It's the idea that they had this sense of about them, that they're at this certain level and you're not here, so you're worthless. And that's and what that's Jesus gets what mad it, at. And yeah. I just, I think that's an important thing to make note of. I, I liked learning that side of it, that what's kind of the deeper things that are happening here. And then going into verse 13, when he says, hold out your hands. Remember where they are? They're in the synagogue, so they're in they're in a place of worship. And um, Jesus restored this man's back to normal, just like this other side. And when Jesus gives the command to do something, he always gives the ability. Um, he just the pastor is making sign. No, Jesus would never ask any of us to do something if he won't give us the ability. So there, he says, "Hold out your hands." So and. The he, he, and it's healed so he is another way of looking at it is that Jesus will always will give us the ability if he says something because his you know he's that's who he is mm-hmm. and again the response is to go and kill again because like I said before something must have happened so deeply to them and this pastor went in deeper and helped me understand of why the Pharisees might have said something like that to Jesus so remember this was women this what this when this was happening this was the first century Jewish people so something here made them upset and because what, Jesus, what, what has all been happening previously here? Jesus just told them what, but he, son of God, he is, he is God. So it's one thing that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. That's another thing. You know, they were very protective and very righteous over their Sabbath. So he just told him he's God. He's also the Lord of the Sabbath. And when he told this man to stretch out his hand, Jesus does something that only God can do, which also reminds them of something. Reminds them something of the past. And I guess since we don't, I don't know the, the, the Old Testament that well yet, but he brought in the story of Moses. And I guess there's a part in Moses' story, which I did, never learned this part of Moses's story. So I'm really excited to reread it again when we go back through Genesis and stuff. But there was a story of Moses. Again, remember the Pharisees back, they would have known this story because they know the Bible. And so when they saw Jesus do the same thing with this guy's hand, it put something in their memory. And then that's why they said, we want to kill this man based on the other things I just told you, that he's the son of God, he's the Lord of Sabbath, but then also he can only be doing these healings that God could do, back to what Moses, can remember back then, these Jews saw Moses as everything to them. And so Moses was a big deal to all the Jewish people back then. That's why they think they took the law so seriously too, because yeah. they 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 had such they admired Moses so much. So we kind of remember that. That's also so when they remember the story of Moses, I guess back in the Moses story, Moses, one moment in his story, his hand, God tells him to put his hand in his pocket or something, and he pulls it out and it's all messed up. And kind of like this man's hand. But then God tells Moses to put it back in his pocket, and then he tells it to lift it up and it's healed. So they're remembering that story Mm -hmm. that here, Jesus just did the same exact thing to this man. So they're like getting blown away here, and all these things to the heart are happening to them. And they didn't like Jesus, and they especially didn't like Jesus as God, um, which makes them so angry that they want to kill them. And So that's why I, I love learning more of that background, because I had no idea when I first read that. So that's why I love studying the Bible. Oh, the Bible is, is amazing, amazing books. I really hope that helped you girls too, to see why they would come back and say, we want to kill Jesus, because they really don't like Jesus, and they don't like Jesus as God. Because remember, they, they read the Old Testament, so they see what God has done, especially through Moses. So they have this idea of what god is and so when jesus came remember what we were saying they've been having a hard time seeing him as the messiah as god so this was just like whoa so that just sets up where they say that sets us up for the rest of the chapter but i just want to go back to the story of the guy with the hand i just find um it's very powerful story to kind of sit with more. The man was in the synagogue, goes back to, we just got done with some with the healing. And I know a lot of us here in this earth are gonna be suffering from different things in our life. Some of it might be more physical things where you can actually see it, it might be hard to cover up. Some things we, we might be able to cover up our problems and nobody really see it. But this man here had a messed up hand and he was in the synagogue and we don't know the story I Guess we don't really ever find out how long he's had this messed up hand but we can probably think he's probably had it for some time now but where is he he's still in worship he's still turning to god he's still worshiping god even though he has this messed up hand he's probably been praying for god can you fix my hand and god hasn't yet so you can probably see he might have some, even some embarrassment to other people gosh that guy comes to church all the time to worship of god but look at his hand it's still messed up he really must still be sinning or God must still be really mad at him. So you can see how it, it was still, I think, very courageous of him to come to still keep worshiping him. And so what does what it show? What can we learn from this man with his hands? He knows where to go. Keep worshiping God even in the midst of your troubles and don't give up on God. And I think this also ties into what, John, uh, what we learned from John the Baptist from Jesus when he says, don't be offended for me if I don't free you from yeah. prison. So I think you can kind of tie in, because I think some people will get healed on this third time here on earth, and some people might not get their true healing to when they're up in heaven. So I think seeing John's story, and then this man with the he, uh, with the hands, yes, he eventually got his healing here on this earth, but I think he might have been also a person that would have still worshipped God, no matter if God ever fixed his hand or not. So I just find that a, a very beautiful thing to kind of remember in our own life. Also, just to take note of, you know, one history of false teachings This is where I think a lot of people insert false teachings and why people can fall into them. It's because we know, people, you want healing. We know you want your problem to go away. And the world makes it like, oh, I can help you. I can help you get it away. And then it starts, what, distorting your view of God because that's what happened to Laura and I. So when we read in the Bible, it's been like this... There's been some parts that, that we, God's been really convicting on us and revealing new things to us. It's because of that. We didn't realize that we, we were starting to have a different view of God. We're, we're, we were taking on the world view of God and not the God of the Bible. And mm-hmm. I think that's just something to remember when you read little stories like this and, and take away the message the overall picture of what was going on there to, to apply it to our lives. That was something I feel like it is that to take before we move on real quickly. Just something to look at Jesus' character here too, and another message that the pastor said at this spot, very beautiful, so I pass it on to you because I think this is what is also a, a thing that we can apply to our own life, is that where do we usually always find Jesus in the Bible a lot? He's usually always going to some, even in his child, he's always going to the synagogues, and that was their place of worship's back then, so he's always going to the place uh, to worship, to worship God. Um, even though he doesn't go to church, to the synagogues, I love how he said that, to learn anything new. He's God, he he oh <laughs> knows everything, so I just love that. So he's not going to church to get something out of it. And, and it's also a place for him where he finds a lot of uh, opposition people, like getting mad at him. He knows that's where he's gonna also bump a lot of heads, but yet he still goes. So we can learn from Jesus, you know, he's our example. Jesus went to worship even though uh, he had so many good reasons not to go to to worship he already knew everything and that's where a lot of people would just be mean to him so why go but he still went why he had such motivation to go because he wanted to be a blessing to other people and i think that's one thing that we can um take away that not always we're not always going to church to to get something for ourselves it is really to be beneficial to somebody else and that's also why michelle and i are sharing our journey here with you because we want to be Helpful to you, not just for Mishana to get something out of it, but also for you to get something out of it as well, to be a blessing for you. So I pass it on to you. Remember, you're going to church to be a blessing to somebody else, or to learn about God, to yes, ask for yourself, but also what other thing, God, love your neighbors, is to be a blessing for somebody else. Yeah. So I'm excited. So let's continue. Yeah. Now down to verse 15. Jesus was aware of this and which true. And what I kind of know is like Jesus is aware of that they're having... This tension. He does. He doesn't. We've seen that before. Like he, he knows not to. Doesn't want to get in confrontation until till the time comes, right? Till the time of the cross, and so that's also what he said. Jesus was aware of this, and so he would true. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them all. He warned them not to make him known, so that what, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here is my servant, whom whom, whom I have chosen, my be, my beloved, and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out, he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. So a few notes that I just that I have noted that, that I got from the Harvest family is that going back into verse 18, that is what God said when Jesus was baptized. So again, he's confirming whom I delight. I put the spirit that all happened also at the time of Jesus' baptism. So that's confirming that, that God's father, this is him. This is the God, this is him. And then verse 19, uh, he will not argue or shout goes to show that Jesus won't be shouting out who was wrong and all. Then moving on to verse 20 there, he will not break a bruised reed. He won't come up to you with a bruised reed and stuff. He'll not put a spilling wick. Like he's not gonna come up and see that you're already feeling like you're about to break. It's not going to be mean and be like, gosh, you're still messing things up. Why can't you get it together? So I just made note that you know, Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left the area and this commentary kind of like, made like, okay, you know, you know, remember Jesus wasn't a man of, of being super, super famous in terms of, oh, look at me. He's, you know, you've seen a lot of times mm-hmm. when he went away from the crowds and stuff, but here he just made a note, um, our Lord's response to their hatred was, with, with, was, was withdrawal. He did not openly fight his enemies he fulfilled the prophecy in isaiah which michelle just went over his enemies were bro- were but broken reeds and smokes blacks note the double mention of the gentiles another hint from matthew that israel would reject the king and the kingdom would go to the gentiles um so that's just interesting to make note of there that that matthew also makes you remember know, the whole point of the book of matthew was also to pinpoint Jesus was the Messiah and also to show that Israel did not believe that he was the true messiah. And that's Matthew was just kind of hinting that here at this junction here as well. And also that also why Jesus withdrawal walked away. He made notice that at this point, he's in, it's an in anticipation of his retirement, which we learn here is coming up soon. And during that time, Jesus avoided any direct conflict with his enemies that he might stay on the divine timetable to be crucified at the time he needs to be crucified. And during all this time, he still needed to teach his disciples um, everything, and also tell them about this crucifixion. So um, you can see why you're kind of like, "Why is Jesus walking away?" But I think you can just learn, from, you know. Again, he knows the bigger picture of everything else how but He doesn't really need to always be continually fighting back. They're all we're all gonna. They're all gonna get their judgment. So mm-hmm. I just like that. And one thing other thing, just to make note to end this out here of, of this verses over here, 20 and 21, you go. The nations will put their hope in his name and it goes back to reminding ourselves that humans we can't fix other ones only god can and so our hope is in his name who's his it's jesus he's coming for people who know that they're kind of dead but like they're kind of sick and said before like and they know they need some someone and it's jesus let will see you in the next one